Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here. Uh, today I want to talk about the medication low-dose naltrexone, which is uh, abbreviated LDN, and I want to talk about if it actually works. Um, the reason we need to have this discussion is because there's a lot of people that swear by this medication. They they make a lot of great claims about it, um, and then there's other people who notice no difference. And so we sort of want to figure out what the difference is and and does it actually work. Now. The, I put three main categories here, and that's because I would say these are the categories that LDN is most frequently used for, and that includes weight loss, autoimmune disease, especially Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and then, of course, chronic pain or fibromyalgia, um, and any of those uh, or con multiple conditions sort of fit into that category. So let's talk about um, this in a general sense, and then we'll talk about um, how likely it is to work for those conditions, and then... Um, you can kind of discover or, or think about if it's worth it for you to use or not. Um, and that's kind of the goal here because it is a tool. I would say in an abbreviated version, it's LDN is a tool, but it's not even necessarily the most effective tool, but it can be for certain individuals. So let's talk about that. So what exactly is LDN? Um, like I said, it's low-dose naltrexone. Um, naltrexone as a medication is FDA approved um, to treat alcohol and drug abuse. Um, and that has to do with the way that it works on your cells um, by sort of blocking um, certain receptors and so it can make um, it can limit the effect of, of alcohol and, and certain drugs like narcotics on um, certain cells and so that's how it that's what it was intended to be used for now what happens it what happened is that people started to use it I believe it was originally used um, for HIV or AIDS um, and people were finding that there seemed to be some sort of immune benefit when it when it was used but at a much lower dose and so the idea is that you know you probably know or realize that hiv or aids is um is an immunodeficiency issue and so if you can modulate the immune system um, and increase or improve the immune system well then you'll be giving benefit to those people who have that condition so this is then um, this logic has then been applied to other autoimmune diseases and and a bunch of other things that we're going to be talking about as well so in a nutshell, that's what LDN is. Um, LDN, of course, is is a smaller, um, in terms of dose, uh, uh, it's called low-dose naltrexone because it is a low dose compared to the standard dose, which is somewhere between usually 50 milligram tablets, um, but sometimes up to 100 milligrams as well. So when we talk about LDN, we're really talking about 1.5 to usually 4.5 milligrams, which is a fraction of that total standard sort of dose that it comes in. And really the only way to get that dose is to have a compounded pharmacy create it for you. And so that's generally how it's used, um, especially among thyroid patients um, and so on. So we'll talk a little bit about dose um, here in a second. Um, but I want to talk about this idea of using medication off-label because that's really what you're doing if you're, if you're using LDN. So what does it mean to use a medication off-label? So what happens in the United States is that medications have to undergo rigorous testing in order to be FDA-approved to treat a certain medical condition. So what will happen is pharmaceutical companies will um, prove that a medication works through a series of tests, which costs a lot of money. And then once they, you know, submit that data to the FDA, the FDA looks at it and says, you know, yes, we agree that this is um, effective for this condition. So uh, now the, the difficult part is <clears throat> what happens with a lot of medications is they have multiple uses, right? And so this is true of a lot of medications. And but the problem is if you want to get it approved for a for another. Um, or different medical condition, you have to go through the whole process again. So that doesn't really make a lot of financial sense for pharmaceutical companies because 
we're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to get these medications approved for specific illnesses. And if if it's known that it works, there can still be studies done. They just don't do all of the necessary studies. And what will happen is that these medications will then be used, quote, off-label, meaning they're still effective for a condition, but they're not being used for the original intended um, medical condition. So this happens all the time in medicine. Um, even conventional doctors do this quite often. An example I use here is a, is topical tretinoin. Um, tretinoin was uh, originally used to treat acne, but when doctors started to use it, they also noticed this amazing side benefit that it um, makes it reduces wrinkles and makes skin look younger. So like, oh, this is pretty good. And so now if you go into a plastic surgery office, if you go into a dermatology office or um, any sort of cosmetic office, it's going to be prescribed for the intent of not fixing acne, but for anti-aging. And, and it actually works. There's lots of studies that prove that. So anyway, I just want to describe that sequence of events to you to, so you're not frightened by the idea of using a medication off-label. It doesn't mean they all should be. Um, all medications should be used off-label, but this idea um, is not that uncommon. Whenever we talk about um, medications, especially those that are being off-label, and I would say this is very pertinent to LDN, we need to ask, our ask ourselves two very important questions. So number one is, how well does it actually work, or, or in other words, how efficacious is the medication? Okay, It's important to know if it works. And then number two, if it works, how frequently does it tend to work among patients? So let's let's answer these questions in the context of LDN. So does LDN actually work? I would say the answer to that is yes. Um, it can work, right? But we need to figure out in how many people is it actually going to work, and we need to know is it actually worth using if it does work. And so an example I give um, is taking blood pressure medication. So let's say there's a blood pressure medication that um, works in 100% of patients, but it only reduces your systolic blood pressure by one millimeter of mercury. That's an insignificant benefit, but it does work technically. And so we want to know, um, we, we don't want a medication to work like that. We want it to work a, a significant amount so that it's actually noticeable. Um, and then of course, the, the next thing is, if it works, how frequently does it work? And so I use this example here. Let's say we give LDN to 100 people on the street um, well, with medical conditions, so let's just give, we, we give it to 100 people with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, how, how many of those 100 people will actually have benefit? If the answer is two have benefit out of 100, and yet we've given it to 100, well, that's not very good odds. And so you just have to consider that. Now, I would say that these numbers are not necessarily true. Um, in my experience, I would say that somewhere between 20 and 40% of people um, will have some benefit using LDN. It depends on what you're using it for. I think 40% of people who are using it for weight loss may have benefit. Up maybe 20%, 15, 20% may have benefit for autoimmune disease. But that's somewhere between two to four out of every 10 people. So if I gave it to, to 10 people, I would say somewhere between two and four of those people would actually have some benefit. But the question is, how good is the benefit that those 20 to 40% of people are getting? And that's actually variable. Um, and so sometimes people notice a significant difference, like a life-altering significant change. And then there's another subgroup of people that just, they notice when you take it away, but they're not really noticing the benefits as they're using it. So those are important things to understand when we talk about medication. So with that in mind, let's talk about using LDN for, I would say, the, the three big conditions that it's, that it's used for. Now, there are more aside from these, but these are what I would consider the big, the big three. So number one, weight loss. Um, number two, autoimmune disease and Hashimoto's. And then number three, chronic pain and inflammation. So let's go through weight loss. Now, actually, um, 
LDN, but not LDN itself. Um, there is a medication which is FDA approved for weight, weight loss, which contains naltrexone in it. Okay, and that medication is called Contrave. It actually contains a combination of naltrexone um, as well as um, Welbutrin, basically, um, which is an antidepressant. Now, the and it has some other benefits as well. But the the point I'm trying to make here is that LDN. If you're talking to your doctor about using LDN for weight loss, it, it really shouldn't come as a surprise to your physician, and they shouldn't really be very hesitant to use it in this way because it's already FDA approved for this condition. So that's one of the things that you, you kind of have to understand as a patient that sometimes doctors just are not really up to date on the literature and and it might be up to you to sort of give this information to them. So that's why I'm bringing this up. For weight loss, I would say it has probably a significant, well, fair amount of data supporting its use. Now the question is, why does it actually work? Um, LDN work, and I have another video on that, but we'll go through it a little bit. So it appears that the use of LDN helps to regulate appetite. Um, specifically, and, and I should say especially, it can help reduce binge eating, um, and it can just sort of normalize appetite. So what you have are not, this isn't the only cause of weight gain, but there's a fair amount of patients out there who they have problems with the amount of food that they consume, or they have, you know, um, a behavioral issue in, re in regards to food which causes them to binge and purge and things like that. So eating disorder sort of spectrum um, issues. And LD naltrexone along with bupropion tends to normalize this sort of behavior. So it's definitely doing something in terms of the appetite. We don't exactly understand what, but but it is doing something there. Uh, number two is it helps sensitize your body to insulin. Um, if you've been listening to anything that I've um, come out with before, then you know that insulin is a, a major driver of weight gain in a lot of people. Um, and there's something like 50% of people have some degree of insulin resistance in their body, even in the United States. Number three, it can help improve sleep. Um, and so this is this is another big deal because I can't remember the exact the exact numbers, but I was reading a study and some some huge number of or maybe it was two out of three adults or something like that. Uh, over 50% of adults are are sleep deprived which is just a massive number. So if you can improve sleep, then you can go a long way to improving some of the, the hormones that modulate appetite and they modulate your uh, metabolic function. So it's well known that lack of sleep causes insulin resistance, causes rise in cortisol, and all of these can, can put on weight and things like that as well. So it may help weight by helping your sleep. And then the last one, and I think this is probably one of the more important benefits to using naltrexone, especially for weight loss, is that it may modulate hypothalamic function, especially your body set point. Uh, and so what I'm referring to here is that when patients get, when patients go through this yo-yo uh, dieting, this up and down weight loss, it can wreak havoc on um, hypothalamic function and your body doesn't know the weight that it should be at. And so for instance, what some people will find is that no matter what, no matter how much they, they exercise, no matter how little they eat, their body's just stuck on a certain weight. And if they lose a little bit of weight, it goes right back up. If they gain a little bit of weight, it goes right back down. It's like it's like a thermostat set to a weight in your body, and it doesn't matter what happens, it's just stuck there. Um, and yo-yo dieting and things like this can confuse that set point, make it very difficult to lose weight. And so now Trexone can be used in a way to modulate that. So it can make the weight loss that occurs a little bit sticky. That's sort of the phrase that I use. So if you lose 10 pounds and you're taking naltrexone, instead of your body going back up to whatever it was before, it stays at that new sort of um, weight that you've achieved. And so that, I think, is probably one of the most beneficial aspects of using it, not as a primary weight loss medication, but as a complementary weight loss medication or just something that you can use to other lifestyle changes. So um, 
I do kind of put that into context here, so I do suggest you read through the article, but essentially what it boils down to for weight loss is, again, it's not a primary, primarily it's not a weight loss medication. You shouldn't think of it in that way. However, it can be used as like a second or third line weight loss medication, which means that it can be added or compounded onto whatever else you're doing. So if you're doing diet and you're focusing on other lifestyle issues, you're adding a little bit of exercise, you're taking naltrexone and you're doing some other things like that, supplementation, et cetera, then that's where you really get the benefit. But if you're thinking that you can just take naltrexone like Contrave and lose a bunch of weight, probably not going to help you really much at all. Um, so that's, that's, um, that's it for naltrexone and weight loss. Now, what about autoimmune disease? So um, LD, this is now specifically, I would say, LDN um, because for weight loss, naltrexone needs to be at a little bit of a higher dosage than it does for the typical sort of 1.5 to 4.5 milligram dosages. Um, but is it helpful? Now, for um, autoimmune disease, LDN is, is not approved to treat these conditions. However, there are some interesting studies which show that some patients gain some benefit um, to autoimmunity while, while using LDN. Now, the problem is these studies are inconsistent. So what that means is you can do, you can take a study and look at it and, and determine that it has some benefit. And then you can take another study and look at it and the same, you know, a similar study and design. And then this other study says it doesn't work, but this one says it does. So then you, you think, well, what, what's the deal? Now, in reality, what's probably happening in this is that we don't have a big enough sample size to determine if the medication works and to determine how to find out if the medication works for you. So there's probably this subset group of patients who responds you know, really well to the medication, but it could be drowned out in a lot of noise that exists if you have a, you know, too many people or too few or whatever. So that's probably what's happening. Now, we're not really sure why it tends to help. Um, it seems that it, at, at this low dose, that it's modulating the release of, um, or it's, it's normalizing immune function, it's normalizing immune function um, when it's taken at a low dose, probably through the release of endorphins, but we don't exactly know um, why or or how it's it's working, just because I don't think there's been a ton of studies trying to go after that. And th there's some there's some guesses and there's some studies that show um, that it can be effective in that way, but the exact mechanism is not well understood. Now, but the question is, how does how does LDN compare to other autoimmune treatments or medications? And is it more is it safe and is it as effective? So these are the real questions that, that I think you need to be asking yourself and thinking about. So when it the the interesting thing is we don't have a lot of good treatments for autoimmune disease. The conventional world approaches autoimmune disease um, by trying to reduce inflammation. And it does that usually through the use of steroids um, or anti-inflammatory medications. But obviously steroids, if you've ever used them, they're not a great long-term solution. In fact, they're usually only used for very short term. Then there's other options such as TNF-alpha inhibitors. These are other medications um, which, again, they, they alter some of the biological function of the immune system. But the problem is when you use these medications long-term, they increase your risk for developing potentially life-threatening infections, and they can reactivate tuberculosis and weird infections in your body. So they do come with a, a potentially serious side effect. So if we think about LDN, it may not be effective for everyone, but it's so well tolerated that it, it's probably worth at least a consideration or a trial in many people with autoimmune disease. Because worst case scenario is it doesn't work and you just stop taking it. Best case scenario is you get some benefit. Um, it's relatively cheap and cost, or cost effective. And so that's what some of these studies say. They're basically saying, look, since you have limited, op limited options anyways, 
what's what's it going to hurt to try something that has a very which is very safe and relatively inexpensive so that's kind of the way that you want to think about it for um, autoimmune disease now i would say from a personal standpoint i've used it a lot um, especially for hashimotos and i would say that probably somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of people who have autoimmune disease especially hashimotos do gain some benefit from using it now that does mean that there's you know seven or eight people out of 10 who get no benefit. But for that 20 to 30% of people who do have benefit, it usually is, is worthwhile and they don't want to stop taking it. So, you know, again, the, the, the amount of people that it, that it works for is not super high, but it's not insignificant either. You can't just rule it out automatically. And the thing is, like I said, with autoimmune disease, when you have limited, limited options anyways, it's worth using something that can potentially um, help you. Uh, that's kind of the way that I think about it. And that's why I use it a lot. I don't necessarily use it first line therapy all the time for, for Hashimoto's. But if I know that if I see trends in, in antibody levels, which are not, you know, reassuring, um, I will use it earlier rather than, or sooner rather than later in that way. The other thing that it can be used for is for chronic pain and inflammation. And so specifically, I'm talking about fibromyalgia here. Now, there are studies that show that, that LDN at low doses acts as a novel anti-inflammatory um, agent, which may be the way that it helps with chronic pain and inflammation. And again, I would, I would put this, the fibromyalgia sort of subgroup in the same category as autoimmune disease. There's so few effective treatments for these conditions that you really have, um, nothing to lose by trying it. Now, it's, it's worth pointing out that you don't really want to use LDN in conjunction with narcotics. Um, but it's still, you know, most of the time you shouldn't be taking narcotics for fibromyalgia or, or other conditions like that because, again, studies have shown that it's just not really effective in that way. So, again, can be used there. I would put it in the same, same sort of class. Definitely worth a try. Um, but let's talk, about, let's talk about the side effects. So, as I alluded to earlier, LDN is generally very well tolerated. And by well tolerated, I mean most people that take it, they either get some benefit or no benefit, but they don't experience any negative consequences as a result of using it. Now, rarely some people can experience these, uh, some symptoms, so we'll talk about those, but just realize that these are fairly uncommon. Um, so nausea or upset stomach, that, that tends to come. This can be fixed by just taking it with food or changing it around the time of day that you take it. Really, if you're experiencing nausea and you're not throwing up, play around with however you're taking your medication to see if you can figure out a way to take it without getting nauseated. Um, insomnia is another potential side effect. And this one I'd say is fairly common because generally you want to take naltrexone in the evening. Um, but there's, because it helps with sleep for most people, but there's a small subgroup, maybe 10, 15% of people that actually get insomnia when they take it. So what do you do? You just take it in the morning instead of the evening. This shouldn't be a reason to stop taking your medication. I know it, it's crazy to me because I'll talk to patients and they'll say, well, it, it made it so I couldn't sleep. So I just stopped taking it all together. I'm like, you know, there's other things that you can do. Try taking it with, with food. Try taking it a different time of day. Try taking half the pill. Like there's so many different ways that you can work around that. But anyway, insomnia is one of them. And then a loss of, loss of appetite is another potentially negative consequence. We want to normalize appetite. We don't want you to, to reduce your appetite because long-term reduction of appetite, especially if it results in decreased caloric consumption, that's problematic. Um, we want, again, normalize appetite, not lose appetite. Now, if it's a temp, like, loss of appetite can be temporary in this setting, so it may not be that big of a deal, but it's at least something to consider. And then the last one is fatigue. Um, I've, I don't think I've actually ever had any patient of mine um, 
present with this side effect with fatigue. In fact, most people get more energy from using it, but um, some people apparently have experienced this. So uh, for what it's worth, put that in the back of your head. So uh, the bottom line is for LDN, I would say if, if you're if you've tried other options and everything else has failed, it's worth a one to two month trial. If you've been using it for two months and you haven't had any benefit, the long-term benefit is probably not likely in your body. Um, and so you can stop at that point. Um, but at least giving it a one to two month try is not very expensive. And it's usually, it's, you usually don't experience any negative uh, outcomes or side effects. And that's kind of what I go over here in, in how to use it and how to determine if you are one of those people that would benefit from using it. Um, and that's pretty much it, guys. So now Trexone, uh, remember, not FDA approved for anything specifically, um, but at small doses can be effective, potentially effective as adjunct therapies um, for weight loss, for autoimmune disease, and for chronic pain. Just realize that the amount of patients that it works for is fairly low, I would say, in terms of medications. You know, down in the 20 to 40 percent of people that use it will gain some benefit, and then a, a smaller percentage will gain an enormous benefit. And, you know, there's a medium amount of people that will just have a minor benefit. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. Um, that And that's pretty much it. So if you have any questions on naltrexone, let me know. Um, I use this medication a lot. Uh, it's at least, like I said, at least worth the try. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, but it's something to be considered. And you can show your doctor if they're not willing to prescribe it some of the information regarding Contrave. And you can see clearly that naltrexone is a component of that medication. So, you know, you can use that as ammunition to try and get your doctor to prescribe it for you. But that's pretty much it. So if you have any questions, leave them um, below and I'll do my best to try and get back to them.